Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb. First things first, buddy. We need to get something out of the way. Do you do you own a cat now? You keep sending me cat pictures. I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on. This cat is just like here all the time, and I, I got it treats at the store. I mean, it's yes. like... But yeah, but it's like, it's got to be someone. It's just like a beautiful cat, like gorgeous cur- like gorgeous fur, just perfect, like, I, I don't, just like a well put together cat, but it just walks up to my house in the afternoon all the time. I don't know. It, I'm assuming somebody already takes care of it. I don't want to take someone else's cat from them, but I'm very happy if the cat wants to stop by every afternoon and just like, you know, Janelle and I had, we were eating dinner out on the porch tonight and the cat just rolled up on us and sat in my lap for a little while. So I can't really answer that question, but it it certainly appears that I have some kind of relationship with a cat. I'll, I'll take that, man. That's, that's great news, I think. And I think the fact that you got it cat treats means that maybe you don't own it, but at the very least it is going to regularly stop by. I am, I'm totally fine with that. You know, I, I love all animals, obviously. Uh, I'm more of a dog person than a cat person. But the only reason I don't also have a cat is just because Janelle's allergic. So were she not, my house would probably be loaded with cats. Well, yeah, that is a shame. Not a whole lot you can do about that except for like take some meds or just get used to it or just suck it up. That cat cat is very floofy too. So I imagine it's going to create a lot of problems. It would be a problem. We've talked about like maybe uh, getting like a cat door. We have like a, it's called a four seasons room. So it's, you know, like mostly screens and glass, but, and that's on top of a deck, but the deck is insulated on the bottom. So we talked about putting a cat door in that. And then the cat could just go to this like kind of outside room. And that would probably be okay as long as it never came in the house. But I don't know. We have, we haven't made that leap yet. Well, I mean, it's always tough because the cat sits on your lap, gets you full of fur. You go inside the house. It's basically like the cat was in the house. Yeah. And like, so when we, like, Janelle also interacts with the cat and afterwards she has to like go wash her hands immediately and she'll like sneeze for a little while or whatever. So, I mean, she feels the effects of just like hanging out with it outside, but you know, it's very adorable. Sometimes you just take that on the chin and you hang out with the cat anyway. I don't know what I would do if I was allergic to cats, but okay. I'm glad. I'm glad we could clear that up because I'm seeing these cat pictures, right? And I'm there's no not really any context. You're just like a cat is sitting on my lap or whatever, and I'm just yep. like, uh, okay. No, there's there's no context for the relationship. It's just all oh, one day there's a cat. It just is what it is. All right, yep. fair enough. Okay, so that out of the way. Well, we have a new set, and it's legal now, and. I kind of just get the feeling that like people are not super excited about magic right now for whatever reason. It's I, I guess it's towards the end of the RCQ season, but it's it's just so strange, man, to have, you know, tournament attendance be pretty low for various things and then not seeing people like post about their deck lists or anything on social media. Just, the new set just came out. Like, what the hell? Yeah, I, I think like we always have to sort of couch what we're saying. I'm sure like people are very excited about magic probably. And but mean, that the, seems to be. Yeah. 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 But I, always I'm, the I'm, case. I'm speaking more to like our, our audience, right? Yes. Our, our squad, our former squad, uh, the folks we have known and associated with playing magic competitively for a very long time. I, I agree much less talk about it than you would expect for a post standard rotation, but everyone's on the same page as us. Like, just like, are we getting a standard to care about? Like, does does this matter? Should I be paying attention? And, you know, there's some signs, 
where if you like really wanted to find a reason to be like, yeah, I should be paying attention to the standard. Uh, there's like a arena qualifier. The next one's in standard. So that's a reason why you could care a little bit more. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. I have, I had not really been paying attention to arena because it was like Baldur's gate into alchemy or whatever. Right. And that's but, part of the problem too, is I, I yeah, think yeah, like yeah. a bunch of people feel the exact same way you do, but I've had some people reach out and be like, Oh, you know, um, uh, for a lot of people who have, been acquired through arena this is like there aren't that many rotations right and when you're playing arena you basically need to wait for a rotation to try and jump in because if you try and backfill you're going to spend an absolute fortune so i've talked to a few people who have like found arena over the last year and are looking forward to this rotation for like their first chance at playing standard awesome Um, yeah so that's that's good to hear but in terms of like people gearing up and trying to get competitive and it's it's just not there, unfortunately. Well, the fact that there is an arena qualifier is good news. I don't necessarily think that that translates into standard being a primary focus for the IRL RCQ seasons or anything. You know, like the the arena team and uh, certainly the tabletop team are separate, and also the the stores get to choose, right? Yep. Yeah. What, what format the events are and everything. So. Uh, whether or not you took that as a good sign or a bad sign, depending on your investment in standard, I I think you can just sit and wait and see what happens. But either way, I'm kind of stoked because I haven't there was there was like an explorer one that I sort of tried, not not really tried. I mean, like I, I put in some time or whatever, but the format was kind of miserable. Is mostly you know pick your turn three, turn four combo deck that yeah. you just goldfish and. Yeah. That was that was not super fun and exciting. So I'd like to play one that is a constructed format where I get to like put in some work. Now, are you going to have the cards to do that? Like, how how is your arena collection doing at this point? Well, pre rotation, I was good. I, yeah. I wouldn't say that I had everything, but my my plan was I kind of expected there to be uh, a limited season at some point, uh, which would give me a reason to play. As of right now, I have not drafted a lot. No, no real excuse for that. Like I, I dipped my toes in it, but did yeah, not same. really hook me. Same. Yeah. I, I played some sealed and I was like, this is a nice way to build a collection, but I thought the games were fine. I don't really have like any objection to the format thus far, but same where it just hasn't gotten its hooks in yet. And that's not to say it won't, it might eventually, but not so far. Yep. So we'll see. And, uh, sat down to brew some, constructed decks like a little bit before but like mostly after we did our top 10 episode and a lot of them were you know playing liliana the veil or fable the mirror breaker just two very powerful cards that i felt were good places to start right and kind of awkward but not unexpected that a lot of other people came to the same conclusions where it's like your your options are kind of like mono black red black or grixis and I was like, hey, those are the three decks that I liked. And even even down to the point of like the red black deck being like, uh, I guess we splash Blood Tithe Harvester and Fable because they're good cards and not not be like all in on being a straight two color deck or anything. Yeah. Yep. So Liliana the Veil may be having more of an impact than maybe people expected. I mean, like I said, it, if we weren't doing reprints, it probably would have been our number one card like pretty easily. Yep. yep. But yeah, kind of awkward. Uh, it's not all Liliana's fault because not even all the decks are playing Liliana. But well, there, there's like there, a, a second layer to the problem too, right? And that's card availability. So like obviously 
almost all magic online play at this point comes from rental services. Shout outs to our friends over at Card Hoarder who provide us so generously with our rental accounts. But that, that's where most of the play is coming from. And it takes some time until they build up their collections and they have all the cards. Not true of Liliana the Veil, though, which there's already a bunch in circulation. So like that card was very easily available. I suppose and, that is true. Yeah, that's, that's what I kept hearing. So I, that that pushes a lot of play in that direction and makes it the first thing people want to test. And it's also just like an incredibly pedigreed, incredibly exciting card that we know is powerful. Like nobody's surprised that Liliana of the Veil is good. I think you're right that maybe some people might have uh, expected things to be a little bit more balanced, but Liliana is a format driver, a format warper, and just like, you know, trying to pick a growth spiral as that's going to always shape the format. I think picking Liliana as your best card does exactly the same thing as three mana planeswalker that can take over the game is going to shape your format. Yeah. And I, I like playing those types of decks, right? Like black mid range decks. Yeah. Same. Um, not super big, super controlling, um, but can be a little bit aggressive with uh, evolve sleeper and tenacious underdog. And so like, these things are my jam. It's it's just less good when everyone else is doing the same thing because those yeah. those mirrors are kind of a nightmare. But yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be Sloggy. able to figure it out too. Like those are things that are very easily breakable too. Yeah, there's edges to be gained in this format for sure. Any anytime everything flows to the middle, there's always edges to be gained. So uh, could be an interesting format to like kind of do the old school SCG tour thing where you have week to week events. I could see that being really interesting. But that, that's got to be there to drive these type of formats. Otherwise, they just fall into like mid-range soup and they aren't all that interesting. And everyone, you know, sleeves up the same 12 broken cards as your core and you shift things around it. Kind of like we saw with the last format, unfortunately. And this format has been more of the same thus far. That is true. But it is early. Like you mentioned, the, the Magic Online stuff, difficult for people to get cards. But that's not really the case for Arena. And I haven't seen a compelling reason to really do anything else from the folks playing on arena. So we no, will fair see, enough. Fair enough. but I, I would, I would play some standard just because I like this style of deck, even if it involves playing a bunch of mirrors, which might not be the most fun or skill testing or whatever, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm excited to play the arena PTQ, even though I, I don't really like the one shot things, but I'll still play. Yeah. You get to play it, you know, from your couch. So that makes up for a lot of the, the weaknesses in the format. Yeah. It's hard to go wrong there. Yep. One of the most interesting things I think about, you know, this early start in standard, and again, card availability shouldn't be overlooked. A lot of older cards are seeing way more play and like not the cards that you might expect. Like there's there's weird stuff happening in terms of the threats that are being chosen. And I guess that applies also to the cards from Dominaria as well. Some cards that I didn't think would have all that much of an impact because they kind of fail that test that we default to now where you know, four mana play that doesn't do anything immediately. We're always a little bit suspicious, but I've seen Shouldred everywhere. And like, that's a card I actively went out of my way to make fun of during preview season as being unexciting. Yeah. So the, the difference with that, I guess, is that if your opponent gets to like untap and remove it and you get nothing, then it's bad. But this sort of gets a trigger because it's tough to like kill it in your upkeep. So it does, it, it does like hit them for two technically, in a lot of instances, I don't think that that's like a good reason or anything, but yes, there are a lot more shieldreds than I thought I would see. It's that's, that's a very technical, you get something like that's 
we talked about Lord of Windgrace maybe not making the cut because its impact was like kind of small, but like that's a comes into play trigger and you get a real piece of cardboard with it most of the time. I mean, you have to build your deck around it, but most of the time you will get cardboard where there's no cardboard here. And like, sure, when things are slotting a little bit aggressive, that too can matter a lot. Uh, yeah, this is this is happening in mid range, like very mid range decks, by the way, not even like I have eight two drop three power cards in my deck. Just I have a bunch of four and five mana threats and, you know, I slam them down until one of them kills you, basically. Listen, man, I would much rather play a Sorin or even a bank buster and activate it than play a shieldred in most instances. But if there are scenarios where the four or five body is a stopper and it does matter. Maybe the life gain matters too. Maybe it's it's hard to kill. I could see those things mattering. I I don't think we're there yet. I think it is. People are just like, oh, I wanna I wanna play the card. Play with this new card. And there is a lot of like, I have one of these and I have two of these and one of these. So That is uh, true. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that's part of what's going on here. More so than in in recent formats too. I think the threats at four and five mana specifically, but even kind of at three and six are it's really nebulous to tell which one is better because they don't just mm. exist in vacuums in a lot of instances. So I think, uh, I don't know, like these, these white decks, right. It's just like random Sarah Paragons showing up alongside Shieldreds. And it's just like, which, which of these is better? Like who knows? It is just kind of all contextual. And if you decide you need a four mana card, which one are you going to play? Well, it's probably better to just have a mix because they're good in different scenarios. Yeah, and I, that extends even going up the curve. Like, there's, if we're looking at results from this past weekend, looking at the standard challenges, you know, the first standard challenge on the, or excuse me, the second standard challenge on the fourth is what I'm looking at now. But first place deck had four Ao the Dawn Sky as as one of its threats. Like, just all in on this legendary dragon, four copies of it, and then you go to the second place list. And you're looking at four Sanctuary Warden, just like cards that are almost completely written off at this point. And like, I, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Depending on how much limited you played, Sanctuary Warden was pretty busted. And oh, for sure. For, but there's a, there's a busted card like that in every limited format, right? And it doesn't always translate to making an impact on standard. Not always, but when the better things leave, I think it... It does behoove you to actually try those things. Sure. Yeah. And, and what we are seeing now is like the power vacuum by the absence of Goldspad Dragon. And I think you mentioned this right. rotation being different from the last one. Well, that's the thing that stands out to me. Like that and Hullbreaker Horror stuck around and those cards were just kind of like already defining things and they continue to define things. So, Yeah. And especially when you're talking about the context of the format being a lot of black based decks with like Liliana's and stuff and Infernal Grass, like Sanctuary Warden looks really good. Sure, absolutely. So I, I don't think it's that bad. And I think that deck was also, or at least I've seen some of these decks also doing like Titan of Industry stuff, right? Correct. Just like ramping yep. into like big shielded things. and Yep, like Restoration said, of El, El Ganjo, which is a card that seems like it should have seen way more play from the beginning. So yeah, they're they're focused on like these mid-range threats and making their land drops and eventually getting to this large point. That deck also had the Elder Dragon War, which is a card that uh, it, in what I've seen has looked very, very impressive. And probably should have had a spot on our top 10 list, I think. I think that one will be important throughout. Well, you see, we had a lot of four mana cards that didn't do anything on the turn that you played them. Yeah, and we didn't even have the right ones. We had we didn't have Shouldred, so what do we know? <laughs> well, uh, 
I don't know. I, I even think that you could do like cut down instead of shield ridden. You're probably more correct. Probably. Probably true. But whatever. You know, I mean, we're also seeing like Night of Dusk's Shadow. Yeah. And and some some Raven Men. Yeah, what do, what do you make of that card? Like, there was a couple times when we were doing the cast, and I'm like, uh, are we supposed to be talking about the Raven Man? And I'm like, I don't think so. This isn't really good at all. But where you're locked into mono black, I guess, like, your options start to get a little thin. I don't know. It into Liliana is good against opposing Lilianas, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't argue with that. It, basically, if you're not splashing red for Blood Tithe Harvester, and you just need a two drop. Yeah, you need something. I mean, you. I guess you would have to also be allergic to Bankbuster because you could I'm just play not. that card instead. So, I don't yeah. know. Whatever, man. It's new. People are trying stuff. I think that's fine. No, I'm all for it. You, I mean, you got to play with cards, right? You have, to, you have to test them out, and we can sit here and talk about them all we want, but until you actually see things in play, it's very hard to understand their impact. Seen a decent amount of squee. Yeah, a little squee floating around, which is good, expected. I'm not, I'm not super surprised by that. Especially given again context of the format, making making tokens is going to be important, and uh, cleaning up tokens is going to be important, and Liliana is going to be important. It's pretty clear the terms of engagement you have to be respecting in these early days. Yeah, they Liliana edict you, you squee haste, take it out. You have a token yeah. left over. If they Liliana plus, you can just discard the squee, bring it back at some point. You know, so great. Yeah, great interaction. Boom. Already had the the answer that we needed in the same set, so we're fine. Yeah, it's good. Good planning. I mean, you, you're going to put a card like Liliana into the format. I think, you know, making actual concessions to it is a very, very good idea. Yeah, and it's not as heavy-handed as like a Loxodon Smiter or something. Yep. yep also, exactly. doesn't pigeonhole you into playing kind of bad colors. True. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I think Sanders is interesting. I Like I said, I like these kind of decks. I, I don't think this is the healthiest look, but it is early. There haven't been a whole lot of reasons for actually you know, people to sit down and hammer out what is actually good and what actually beats these decks. You know, if once the arena PTQ happens, you'll see more of that. If, if there were like opens happening on, you know, week zero, week one or whatever, then it might be a little bit different. If RCQs were starting and they were standard, it might be a little bit different, but right now it's just kind of like free for all people get to play with whatever they want to play with. And for a lot of people that is Liliana of the Veil. Yeah. And not the cards on our top 10 list really not many of them at all. I mean, like <laughs> a very, very small amount. Yeah, I, I guess it is kind of funny for us to be like, well, if we were doing reprints, Liliana would be one, and then we just put a bunch of cards that are bad against Lily, you know? I guess so. I, I guess. Mean, it's like I, bad, I, I'm not, bad but in listen, quotes. Bad I, in quotes. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to punish us for this yet. Like you said, I think it's too early, and I think there are evolutions of the format. And like a lot of the things I said with finding the top end, I, I still find that, Equally is true given the context here, like where you're doing all this mid-range shoop stuff, like mono black control is not going to want to face down the world tree repeatedly. I mean, that's going to be very, very problematic. So things could eventually go to that point. Uh, are, are they there now? No, I think it's very clearly Liliana focus, but I'm not writing off our decisions yet. And like even things like this uh, Naya deck, that is sitting in second place in the second challenge of the weekend that I previously mentioned, the one with restoration of Aganjo. I, I think they point to that theme pretty well for Titan of industry for sanctuary warden, just working your way up the curve, finding these big sticky threats that just go over the top of all this mid range nonsense. Yeah. I think this deck does a pretty reasonable job of it. And 
But this is step one, right? Like this is, is. this is halfway yeah. going over the top. And if you wanted to go over the top of this, it would be a breeze. Like you just yes. jam a bunch of things at this deck. Yep. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Like we we are definitely living in a world where, for example, if the the Sultai ultimatum type of stuff existed, like that stuff would just very easily bury this stuff. So you just yeah. need to find a thing like that. Do you remember the uh, like green white? Yurian deck I came up with that was like Trail of Crumbs. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's basically this exact same principle. Like that was bigger than everything people were doing at the time. And it was good for like two weeks. And then it was real easy to get bigger then. And yeah, these, every, these decks feel the same way. Every game took 50 minutes. I was like, yep. this deck is great. And also I never want to play it again. Just exactly my cup of tea. <laughs> because I will make it and give it to someone else and they have to suffer through it. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, uh, you know, for folks wondering what was going on in Standard, there you go. There's your update. Nothing more to say right now. I, I do want to keep a closer eye on Standard. I would be comfortable checking in like this for at least a few weeks. You know, if things start to get a little static, then we can turn our attention elsewhere. But I, I want to see what's happening here. I, I do think we're going to see more evolutions over the next few weeks. And like you said, especially leading up to the PTQ season. So the other thing is how impactful this set has been in Pioneer, which I have really liked. And I think you can see that impact being like pretty noticeable looking at some of the recent Magic Online decks. And I tweeted for Decklist today, and that tweet got very little traction. So uh, it is hard for me to tell if people don't care about, you know, Constructed Magic or uh, pioneer in general, or are just waiting for PTQs or a reason to care or whatever. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they hate us specifically. That's always a possibility, right? Maybe somehow I'm like gaining followers. I don't really get it, but whatever. Okay. Maybe they just hate me then. That's fine. Maybe, uh, you know, 80% of the people are retired. That could be it too. It could be, could be. Yeah. Some, some cool decks. I mean, Liliana the Veil also doing a lot of work in pioneer which should not really be surprising um card has modern playable pedigree at this point maybe maybe not like op busted kind of like it used to be or anything yep. but yeah it should be it should be no surprise that like thoughts he's only on a good removal makes a deck in pioneer yeah not shocked at all what's more interesting is some of the other stuff actually some of the other stuff at the exact same converted mana cost if you if you want to start out talking about like this pioneer league which is where I was checking in to see what was going on in terms of evolution, a, a bunch of braids, a bunch of braids across <laughs> yeah. the sacrifice decks, which yeah. like, it makes sense. Like I, I get why braids. No, yeah, no, but like, there's something to be said for the body. Like there, there really is in this deck. It's so important that you are constantly generating battlefield presence and advancing your game plan and that chip damage. And like Liliana does so, so much more than braids, but it, sort of doesn't actually progress you towards winning the game at all. It's just like holding the fort and like yeah. eventually its value does lead to you winning the game. But when you talk about a deck like say John sacrifice or Racto sacrifice, I do think it's on you to always be moving towards your end state. Otherwise you're going to get outscaled or like, you know, do you want to face a deck like, well, maybe this is a bad example. I was going to say, do you want to face a deck like Lotus Field? But I sort of get the feeling that if you just like Liliana a bunch, that's also going to be a pain in the butt for Lotus Field as well. It's it's not, though. Those decks are always so good at beating exactly Liliana. Like, if, if you have more stuff, if you're like Thoughtseize into Liliana and to go blank or whatever, then yeah, maybe you run out of resources. But 
But they, uh, they will in post-board games. That's the problem. And like I, I think your game ones will be fine. And they'll say, well, I'll just lean on Liliana and you will beat that. But when it's Thoughtseize into Go Blank into Liliana, I think it gets much different. And that's what I expect to see now. You're the Lotus Field person. How am I the one saying that like that stuff is not good enough against them? Or like that your game one is definitely bad because it is. For like the black mid-range decks, it's like you don't have enough disruption and you don't have a fast enough clock. It's like, Oh no, no. I, I think their game one, I, I think their game one is horrendous. I, I think it gets okay. worse though. It gets worse on the Lotus field side in games two and three, where they get to load up on this stuff. No, it, it does. But like when you're starting down a game and then you have to be on the draw with like Liliana and stuff, it's just, that stuff. Oh, is for sure. Though. Yeah, for sure. That, that's all fair. Uh, also like you, you do have access to ways to play around the Liliana if you, if you want. So you can, you can challenge the Liliana on the stack. There's, there's a bunch of things you could do, or you can just power through it. So I don't know. I, I sort of have some trauma left over from when I was playing a bunch of ad nauseum in modern. And then like you no, actually, dude, that, that's exactly the matchup where like, yeah, if given time, Liliana is good, but it mostly, it mostly just sucks. Like you're, <laughs> you have to work so hard for the Liliana deck to beat that nauseum deck. Post the PT I played Ad Nauseam at, Jund got really popular again, and it was a horrible matchup for Ad Nauseam. Like, just absolutely miserable. Which I, 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 I know that shouldn't make sense, but it was so, so bad. I always felt like they ley line you, and you, you, none of your cards did anything anymore. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think I'm allergic to ley lines, like actually getting them in my opening hand very much how my collected companies don't find creatures my opening hands don't find leyline so maybe i just have like too negative of an opinion of leyline um feels like it's never there when i need it at this point i don't know man you need to just embrace magic and the fact that like some of the cards do things at random because every game is kind of at random and it is entirely possible that you're just putting way too much weight on the one time you did not have leyline or whatever but probably but it's also partly for entertainment dramatic purposes like like i know that eventually my collected companies even out as do my ley lines but i think it's way funnier if i just lean into it and bemoan my bad luck at least for me maybe nobody else likes it you say funny i i just kind of read it as like baby whining okay (laughs) there you go oh i'm having a great time over here that's what matters I'm, i'm glad one of us is i don't know good Good. I like I've I've heard a lifetime of bad beat stories, dude. I don't care about yours, you know. Yeah, fair enough. No, I mean I, I was I was on like the Liliana side of things, right? And game one is already tough, and this is me playing like six or seven discard spells in Liliana's, right? And because just because your clock is so slow, and mm-hmm. then in the post board games, like yeah, you get like more of that stuff, but then if you don't have a way to answer leyline, you basically lose any game where they have leyline, and Okay, say you have some answers to Leyline, like, you know, once Trophy came out or if you're playing like Unravel the Ether or whatever, then you had some answers, but it was always like, well, that means I have to spend, you know, turn two doing this and then turn three. Now I get to start disrupting and like, when am I actually going to apply pressure? You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it was just so hard every single time. And I I say that as a person who, uh, you know, like was very aware of this going into the PT and Bilbao when I played Mardu, the Pyromancer yeah. deck. And I like, I was getting so good at building mid range sideboards to keep things like that in mind where I added the wear tears to the sideboard because of 
random graveyard hate and also just, you know, things like ad nauseum. And then I played against ad nauseum playing for top eight and was like barely able, barely able to squeak it out there. Where like my curve is so much lower. My, my clock is faster and my answers to lay line is only one mana. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's like, you had to like put your cards in the deck and have them and draw them and et cetera. But it dude, it's just, it's so hard. And I got to get, Andrew Brown on the horn and see what his thought is on the Jund versus uh, Ad Nauseum matchup because I see, hated being on the Ad Nauseum side. See, Andrew is, I think, the type of person who is probably going to like talk up how great his thing is, possibly misremember like how good his win rate was, <laughs> and also I don't just for a deck like Jund, right, where people seem to love it, like it, it used to be the villain. Now it's kind of the hero and there's, there's just a wide swath of Jun's enjoyers out there. Right. Yeah. He's just going to like talk about how bad that deck is. But this yeah. should, this will support your argument then. Right. If he's no, going to come back will. and talk. Yeah, it will, but I'm not, I'm not trying to support. You just my don't argument. believe him though. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying you. to support my argument. I'm trying to get to the truth. And you know, I am cognizant of like, at least how I perceive Andrew to portray things. And I know that like how you portray things. So, yeah, I think what it comes down to Gerald is you're just, you're not cut out for this post truth society. Like I was, I was born for it. I was ready to succeed Uh, in it. And yeah, it's just not working for you. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of like facts and and truth and stuff like that. It's mostly why I didn't particularly work well on magic teams too much hyperbole. You know, it's like you get, you divvy divvy out like five matchups, right. And then four of them come back and, Everyone just saying like, they're the all unplayable. Yeah. 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 And it's just like none of this information is helpful. Right. Like yeah. that's all I want. So it's like, okay, I just have to do all the work myself anyway. So like, why am I getting distracted by all these people yelling at each other? No, that's fair. Uh, my magic experience was very much the same. And it's, it's something that in, in game design, we like actively are fighting against all the time. Like just working any kind of Good. hyperbolic response out of your vocabulary but when I come to podcast, all bets are off. I can say literally anything. So, dude, there was a point when we didn't do that, though. Like you, maybe. I've always just said anything. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't think that's true. But also, sorry. please stop. <laughs> sorry to shatter your illusions of me, but no, no, Liliana decks. It's it's tough to beat like the the really hard combo decks where you know, mind rot or whatever is not that great against them. That's all I'm getting at. Right. And that's why you believe these, all these decks should be playing braids, right? To get back to our original point. No. Um, uh, so my take on sacrifice is a little bit different. And granted, that was when the format was a little bit different. There were a lot of creature decks, especially like locally. And I thought lower mana curve, Priest of Forgotten Gods, which granted is showing up in some of these decks. But yeah, it is. Uh, basically like no... No fables, even just like the four mayhem devils were clunky enough, right? And these decks are like playing four devils, four fables, three braids, and four Corvold. They're just going all the way up. Yeah, the chain again. yeah. I mean, I I can kind of respect that, especially if you're doing like gilded goose stuff. But mm. this 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 version of the decks just seems unbelievably clunky to me. And braids doesn't even have much of sacrifice fodder unless you're trying to you know, sack your artifacts, which yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, you could cash in a blood token and they can't sack anything. So you get to draw a card, right? That's, that's the whole joke. 
but yeah, that's cool. I, I actually do agree with you. I, I like the sacrifice decks when they're at their lowest to the ground. I, I tend to think that's the best moment to play them. And then the rest of the time is a little bit of like copium and trying to make them work in formats where you maybe should just be playing something else. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like when, when you're trying to grind out people with like Corvold, Fable, Braids, whatever, just like maybe just look at Rakdos, like normal ass Rakdos. Sure. I mean, especially now you have, you have Liliana. So just do that. I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's weird. I appreciate people trying cards. I just don't. I find it hard to believe that that is going to be a thing that has longevity. You know, it is going to have longevity, Gerald. And we talked about immediately upon seeing it is doing a little transmuting of leyline binding into some big threats, which is what the next deck is doing here. And I I am here for this enigmatic incarnation, Urian sacrificing those leyline bindings you can go get agent of treachery titan of industry nice juicy seven drops on the top end which is exactly where i thought this deck would go and it it does this stuff really consistently the rest you could have some weird hands for sure like that's just kind of how these weird toolbox decks work i think this deck is very good though and i think this deck will only get better over time i think this deck has been pretty good it's just one of those things that puts up results and you're just like how or why or whatever but then you watch some people like michael jacob stream it and talk about the deck and tuning it and, and things like that and it's it looks like a pile of cards right it's just like things that just appear to be chosen at random or whatever but there has been like a lot of tlc and, and care and everything that went into the building of this and this was already a deck that was interested in playing a lot of triomes and now that you have binding you're just incentivized to play even more right and then you have you know it's not it's not super flashy or like a combo kill or whatever but you have this power spike that the deck yeah. did not previously have when before it was like you know fire's invention was the card that allowed you to maybe kind of pop off or whatever but the the whole binding incarnation thing allows you to get ahead very quickly which is kind of what this deck needed i think I think so. I think it's a great catch-up mechanism and you know those two cards that we talked about Agent of Treachery, Titan of Industry They'll get you out of a lot of problematic situations, basically without fail. And this deck reminds me so much. If you ever saw really good Kiki Pod players, like while Kiki Pod was being played, it was so clearly worse than the like Abzenless in my eyes. But there were some people who played it so, so well and were so like innovative with their approach, knew their deck so well, changed their deck on a week-to-week basis to have exactly what they needed and could just play out of any situation that the deck could really impress sometimes, despite the fact that I, I was sure it was like the worst version of the two pod decks. Sometimes I would see it and be like, well, maybe I actually do believe in this. And then I'd play it and be like, no, no, I was right. The other version is better. But it was still really cool. And this deck reminds me of that, where if you put in the hours and you know all of your options and you're constantly tuning and tweaking, because every single card you change can make a world of difference in a list like this. Yeah. And you're really going to get rewarded for knowing your deck and just being excellent with it. Yeah, two commune with spirits. Let's go. Yeah, got to find our enchantments. Uh, I mean, or just the, the right triome or whatever, too. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Sure. Yeah, I think this this deck is on my list of things that I should maybe get slightly proficient with mm-hmm. or at least start paying like a little bit more attention to you and just keep it in the back pocket, you know? Yeah, I, I wish it wasn't 80 cards. That's what's kind of like Same. pushing me back from... Same just buying all this stuff and playing this at my next pioneer event. But yeah, I have to get over that at some point and I will. 
Yeah, I mean, the RC, is it just regional championship? The, the fake Pro Tour? The kind, yes. of, kind of Pro Tour, but not really a Pro Tour? Yes, that's what uh, it's called. Yeah, is is Pioneer. And I, I do have an invite for that. I'm still not sure what I'm doing with it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I will need a Pioneer deck at some point if I do choose to play. So Maybe this is the one. I don't know. What else caught your eye for the pioneering? Yeah, looking through the rest, it was just like seeing what else was cracking through. I think that's always the question. And like, will this set ultimately make a difference? In terms of the list you tweeted out, of course, like the Paradox Engine stuff was the first thing that leaked off the page. If if you want to talk about that, you can go ahead. uh, Because I know this deck excited you too. Uh, Well, I just, I closed my thing. So what's what's the red green card? I First don't the know dam. the name of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly. Tap an artifact, get mana. I, I know what you're talking about. I just don't know what it's called. Yeah. So there's that thing where it was like, all right, this is very a very good artifact engine card, right? But what artifact deck wants red or green? And sometimes it's like, well, maybe it's blue, green. You just splash this thing. But I, I did see some hardened scales in modern yep. utilizing it. So it's like, okay, there's that. And cool. then, and then, yeah, Paradox Engine is the other thing where you have that, you have Moonsnare Prototype, you have a decent amount of new cards that fit into the deck. And it just seems like whenever a new set comes out, uh, someone takes one of the cards, puts it in their engine deck, five O's, and then someone else tries to play with it. They go like, you know, eight and six or something. Yep. Say it's unplayable <laughs> and then nobody works on it again. Right. So that, that might be where we are, but I mean, this, this card is a mana engine and a card advantage engine and deck definitely had a pretty rough time if just, you know, some of its stuff got killed. Right. So I think that that card couldn't potentially help them out with it. And we'll see. I don't know if it's enough to, you know, turn it from like tier 2.5 into 1.5 or something, but I wouldn't be shocked. These things happen fast. I mean, look at breach over in, in modern, which is like very quickly turning the tides and establishing itself as a top deck where, it was kind of Mimi and tier 2.5 for a very long time. And I don't think you can make that argument anymore. So sometimes you just turn the corner and then all of a sudden you have a top deck on your hands. Yeah. I think the deck was probably better than people gave it credit for. Oh, I agree. I agree. But certainly, you know, Ledger Shredder, deck getting tuned, good pilots playing it. Yeah. It's, it's going to win a lot. And, and four color too, being at kind of the forefront where. Yep. Good point. My, my risen reef list was very ready for like Merktide Regent stuff, right? But I was not ready for combo backup plan. Yeah, which is which is cool. I like when you can do that stuff and uh, insert your combo backup plan. So good to see. Got to be keeping an eye on that archetype. As far as like other random cards, some Fires of Victory floating around, which sure, I think that card's powerful enough. I said I could see that being like a staple removal card in Standard and a copy or two in Pioneer doesn't shock me. Card that did shock me that I saw was... King Darien. How are you at Roman numerals, by the way? Do you think you can just nail this one right off the bat? Is it XVII? It's it's XLVIII. Oh, I have no I the L throws me. I can do the basic ones. Okay. I, I think it's 48. So like I think L is 50. Then since it's XL, you take 10 off the L, and so you get to 40, and then V is five, so that's 45. III is eight. And I might have just made an ass of myself on the podcast, but that is my guess. How is that better than going like IIL? IIL? I, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for it. I think you just have to use like the Roman numeral next down in size before the, per, the 
preceding? No. Oh, Following? So you, can, you can't do 50 minus 2. You have to do like 50 minus 10 every time. I think and so. And then add. I think yeah, so. Yeah, see, yeah. once you once you get over like 30 or something, um, I'm not good anymore. Yeah, and, and maybe I'm not. Like I said, I'm, I'm not super confident in this assessment, so we should probably stop before we make ourselves seem any more foolish. But I will tell you, when I was playing a little bit of Sealed on Arena, I had this card in my Sealed pool, and I hate it. I hate it so much because it has priority all the time. So it's just every single thing you do, you have to click now. Yep. Yep. And it's so miserable. That's all I have to say about this card. I don't I don't know if it's good enough here. What it is the doesn't card? seem like it. It's a three-minute two-three. Yeah. And then what else? So King Darien, the sun number, is colorless, green, white. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And then it's three colorless, green, white. Put a plus one, plus one counter on King Darien and create a one, one white soldier creature token. And then you may sacrifice King Darien, which is the problem on Arena. Uh, creature tokens you control gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. And as you said, it's a two, three. Okay. So it does a bunch like decent enough stats. I understand in like this green white collected company deck that's playing with it. That's just a bunch of stupid creatures. Why this card is appealing. Uh, I still hate it. Yeah. I'm not a fan, but you know, whatever. I feel like if you were interested in playing some sort of green white, either tokens deck or go wide deck or even collected company deck, that you would have better options. Like this, this would not be the card that would be like, yes, finally my thing is coming together. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would be shocked if it was just like, yeah, we we're just King Darien and some numbers away from, from having a, a real banger on our hands. But yeah, most, mostly with you. What else we have weird cards floating around a little Mardu do with Sarah Paragon. That card again, seen a little bit more play than I expected. I don't know how much of that is like this card is legit and this card and how much of it is this card is being tested, but it's there uh, alongside Shieldred, which is also somehow seen Pioneer play. <laughs> so I'd, maybe I'm going to take the L on this one eventually. I don't know, but not not super impressed having like played against this card a little bit. And I haven't been fortunate enough to have it in my sealed pools, but like it was, it was good. Don't get me wrong. But I killed it, and then the game moved on. And yeah, Waffle Goblin playing Air Tie. Yeah, that's cool to see. Not a lot of traction for this card in standard yet, but somehow getting its first look here in the uh, Pioneer format. But we know Waffle Top is just going to do what he wants to do. And yeah, you know. I mean, I, I've seen Air Tie in some Grixis lists, and I've had it in my sketches for Grixis lists. Mm -hmm. But obviously, I would need to play some games to give it a solid thumbs up or thumbs down. So I don't yep. know. Makes sense to me. Some temporary lockdown in like the Azorius control list, which makes a ton of sense when you're looking at like the 80 card list that have access to Urian. Really yep. cool interaction there to just go ahead and clean up the board multiple times. And then even like, you know, Teferi resets and I, I, this card is just good. It should it should get a lot of utility. See a oh, lot of the the fairy thing is really interesting, actually. Yeah, I I think this card has a lot of potential across just multiple formats. Honestly, like it could it could be a modern control card as well and be very successful at it. So hmm. we'll see where that one settles. Uh, in Leaf Crown Visionary enabling some Elf Tribal. Yeah, there's a the Goblin Lord too. Yep. Yeah, they're all probably fine. Uh, you know, I don't think they're game changers or pushing this into top tier, but 
they're out there. Uh, we see combat research doing its impression of a eighth curious obsession. No, that's that. good. That's good. That was, that was to be expected. Yep. I actually like that a lot. Yep. Good for these mono blue spirits decks. Uh, Phoenix chick getting a little run in mono red. And I, I think that card has performed thus far. Uh, you know, some people may be shocked to see it as high as it was on its list, but I think the more it sees play, the more people are coming around to it and seeing that this recursive threat that is just on the battlefield very early is it's worth it. And it can, it can do a lot of damage over the course of the game. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me in these lists. Like I know that there were always a, a couple of flex slots, whereas like you would see carry Zev or some lightning strikes or whatever. People didn't really know mm-hmm. what to play in the last few slots. It didn't really seem like this deck needed more one drops because you have uh, Kamano faces Kakazan and then Swiss Spear Soulscar Mage, and that seemed pretty good to me. But yeah, now now this deck is just playing all the Phoenix tricks too, and yeah, it's getting very low to the ground, which like, it is. Yeah, it's cool. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, but it is what it is. If, yeah. if people, uh, well, I guess uh, now they're playing Obosh, so that gives them right more things to do uh lets them cut all the even stuff which all right now now i'm kind of sold yeah no need for two drops anymore that that's the missing piece there once you have a boss you probably need more one drops so yeah all right all right i'm in yeah this list looks pretty good uh what other stuff do we have going on here's this maria deck as you mentioned in one of our shows by the way uh relic of legends making the cut here which cool it makes a lot of sense yeah, that was in the engine deck, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Mono red with Squee appearing alongside, and then uh, I think this is about it as far as interesting stuff to talk about. Like, it hasn't been a well, a huge impact. What else? Do you have another one you want to talk about? Uh, there's Orzov Grease Fang because now you have Liliana as an additional discard outlet. Sure. Yeah, I I wasn't specifically highlighting the Liliana stuff just because I think we'll see Liliana in a lot sure. of places but that that's a big pickup for that deck for sure it's it's leaning into that multifaceted game plan not as linear anymore it can challenge your opponents on a few axes so an important piece for sure lockdowns in the sideboard of that too so definitely a lot of lockdowns yeah good i mean i it's almost a card that like is suited for the older formats more than the newer ones and i think like oh, yeah. it is going to see play in the newer ones as well but it's could really be a high impact control card in the older formats. Even like Legacy. I think it like has not that anyone cares about Legacy anymore, but it's exactly the type of thing that has Legacy legs because it cleans up so much stuff. Yeah, Legacy's tough though, because for you know, two lands, you can cast like a Thought Not Seer or Kappa Cannoneer or whatever, right? So the fact that things are capped by mana cost is is actually good for Pioneer, but maybe less so for Legacy. Maybe. There's certainly more ways to play around it. it. It'll always depend, like, what the format's doing. If it's a very, like, low-to-the-ground, Delverish format, then maybe you get extra points. Uh, if it's more, like you said, cheating on mana costs, then, yeah, it's going to be a little bit worse. Yep. Other than that, I think things are still pretty normal, but definitely a lot of new stuff for Pioneer, and I think, I think Liliana helps. It gives you another axis of interaction that I think the format in general is just kind of missing, which sort of is what led the decks to, you know, just being these like two ships passing the night kind of thing. Yep. 
So I like it. it. It does feel like looking at these decks, like obviously a lot of the old guard are there. There's still some stuff like Grease Fang or whatever, but I don't know. There's, there's a lot of different variations of like beat down and people trying to like stop creature decks and everything. So I, I actually, I dig this. Does anything need to change in Pioneer right now? I, I saw people talking about like, particularly mono green. I like, like mono green is just a very, very polarizing deck. A lot of people really hate it being part of the format uh, because it does sort of ignore your opponent and goes just massive very quickly and can be challenging to interact with. What do you think? Is there anything you would want to alter about this format or do you just, just think this is a promising format as it stands right now? When Cho and I were working for these RCQs and trying to figure out what to play, it was pretty clear that mono green was important and we needed to care about it and needed to alter our deck choice around it potentially. But that also gave way to a lot of different options for ways to be able to do that. So mm. if pioneer is a format like modern where everyone just has one deck and they don't have a ton of liquidity or overlap or anything, then that sucks because you need to be doing very specific things to be good at beating mono green or at least even yep. like be competitive against it. Right. Yep. So it's not like you can just add, you know, three hibernations to your sideboard or something. Cards like that don't really exist. So if that is the case, then maybe you shouldn't have decks like that in the format. But I also think that most of the decks in the format are basically carbon copies of that sort of thing. So I, I think you get rid of mono green and something is the next best. And like, what the hell are you going to do? Just ban, ban everything. All right. Yeah, I just don't see, I, I think the format is what it is. I don't think like any changes could actually reshape the format. Any of these vacuums you create could be very easily filled by a similar deck like you mentioned. And we kind of know what this format is now. And if you like it, you're probably all in and signed up for it. If you hate it, I don't think the set's going to do anything to change your mind. I personally like it. I think it's in a good place. I think there's a lot of... Uh, different decks that I could talk myself into playing. There's weird things to do. There's things that reward you for getting mastery of them. There's control decks. There's combo decks. There's annoying decks. There's just good old-fashioned mid-range decks. All of these things are present. I still think you're like somewhat incentivized to try and ignore your opponent to the extent that you can. That's just kind of how magic works these days. If you have something that's so powerful, your opponents can't interact with it. That's what you're supposed to be doing most of the time. We're not going back to three threes on the battlefield. So embrace it. That's my advice. And I think as far as a new style of magic, Pioneer is a pretty good format. Uh, Darian is 48, by the way. I just Googled it. Nice. So I am a official Roman numeral expert. Yeah, looks like it. What else are there? There's M's, right? That's a thousand C's, C's are a hundred. I feel like I'm just re like, I'm ready to answer all Roman numeral questions at this point. I'm, I have just, a newfound confidence. This is like being four years old. And as far as I'm concerned, numbers over 30 don't exist. You're just crossing them out. Okay. I actually remember when I was like a very small child liking Roman numerals for some reason and like making my mom quiz me about Roman numerals. So I don't, I don't know. I haven't thought about them in a very long time, but I guess it's deeply ingrained in me. No, no Super Bowls for you? Uh, I haven't watched much football uh, for the last decade or so. So I, I'm sure that's like most people's exposure to Roman numerals. Uh, but no, not a lot of football for me. 
Well, going through the list, I copy pasted the numerals after Darian, and that's what I googled. And what came up was the, the Super Bowl, the, the ad for that Super Bowl. So okay, yeah, well, you cheated a little bit, but you got the information you needed, and that's what matters. No, what do you mean? That how did I cheat? I said I googled it. Okay, Google cheated a little bit by giving you a roundabout answer, but still, information was disseminated. Well, so mission accomplished. I'm not. I didn't do it on mobile. I did it on on PC, right? So on the side, it had the Super Bowl ad, but then like right below, it just said like 48. But it was okay. like trying to okay. trying to show me through the Super Bowl thing. Gotcha. Okay. Good anyway, job, what? Google. Yeah, I mean, congratulations. It, it, Google Google's a mess. Absolutely. All, all the search engines are terrible. I can basically never. I used to be able to like Google and get an answer to things. And I just can't do that anymore. It's just all nonsense. Do you, do you know Boolean operators? Cause that makes a big difference. No. Okay. Google that. And then, and then you'll know what I'm talking about. And then maybe you can do some more effective searching. Oh, are you just talking about like actually putting in the, the right search things in Google? Well, there's a whole bunch of like parameters, like quotation marks for the exact words and yeah. Uh, yeah, ampersands yeah. and like that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean like quotes and pluses, like the basic stuff I, I do know, but it's just like, if I, if I Google a question, what are the odds that it, it actually answers that question? And it's very, very low because obviously like a lot of the words can be subbed out or whatever. Right. So I, I think that I am decent at Googling stuff, but it's just, it just shows you too much bullshit rather than the answer to the thing you actually want. Especially if you're looking for like answers on a polarizing topic. I was doing a bunch of Googling about Mormons the other day. We won't talk about why, but I was, I wanted to know more about Mormonism and uh, you know, just like some tenets of the faith. I'm not thinking about converting. Don't worry. But cause you've uh, already converted because <laughs> I'm already there. No, I, I was just doing some Googling and as I did this, it became very clear that some of the things I wanted answered were like, I was getting linked to Quora's that were very clearly being answered by the Mormon church and like not actually the information I was looking for. So you also have to contend with that problem anytime you Google anything. That's basically what I'm talking about. Yeah. Nightmarish. Uh, Anyway, uh, it gave me the answer to to 48. So whatever. It's fine. Everything's fine. A a W for Google. A rare lone W. Uh, Overall, I like this set. Uh, Limited doesn't look bad. And I think that Streets Limited had a lot of issues, but it, for I, I don't know what hooked me, man. I think it I think it could have been some aspect of the multicolored stuff or just the I think it's just that we played that team tournament. Like I, I really think it like gave you a reason to pay some degree of attention. And then from that point you had information that you were like testing that, and thinking about, and then that starts the spiral. That's kind of true, but there was definitely a point where I was past that and I was still playing. Some cost. You've invested your time to get this knowledge, and now you may as well take advantage of it. Uh, that that could have been part of it, I guess. Where just like I, I just like beating up on kids, you know? Yeah, I, I think that like some games I continue to play, like I definitely don't like anymore. But I'm like, oh, I already know how to play this game. For years, when I played League of Legends, I was like, I don't want to play this game anymore. But I have like my ten thousand hours, and I know so much about it. If I were to stop playing, it would be ridiculous at this point. Uh, so I continued playing. Long past the time well, I was actually done with it. But don't don't project your sunk cost crap onto me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I I know how we work. I know how the mind of a gamer works and uh, the things we get obsessive about. It's very hard to let that information go sometimes. So 
Yeah, that's sort of true. But like, it wasn't like, oh, I want something to do. I was actively choosing to do it over other things. That's that's what I'm trying to describe to you. And it was like, I, I, I draft, I play the games, I'm having fun doing it. And this is after, you know, Cho has checked out and we're not doing like Discord stuff anymore. There are other things that I could and should be doing. And I'm still just like, no, I actively want to do this thing. Okay. Well, I hope you I hope you experience that again with this format. And I, I don't know. I don't know what it is that drove you to that. That's very interesting. Yeah. Especially while acknowledging that like it's not a great format or your favorite format and kind of a flawed format, but you're just like, yeah, I just want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And then this one I was just like, eh. All the cards are just kind of like a chore to read and they all sort of do like basic things. It's like you have this thing that's okay on rate and then they all have kicker to like get a one, one or like gain some life or whatever, you know, it's just like, I, w- I want to be building things when, when drafting. And I'm sure that there is some of that, but it was like looking at the pieces of this, it wasn't like putting, you know, unlucky witness together with dig up the body, yeah, and, yeah. you know? Yeah. I feel that that's, that's a, that, that brought some illumination to the way you're feeling about this format, actually. That was a very good, concise way of looking at it, where you you want to make chicken salad out of chicken shit, and instead you're just, like, kicking your cards and getting the most powerful thing possible. Yeah, and that's not super exciting to me. You know, it's fancy corset limited. Uh, or at least what it, that's what it seemed. You know, I, I don't want to make it seem like I've done a ton of drafts and I understand the format and now I'm poo-pooing it or whatever and people are going to come in and tell me that actually like four color, you know, do nothing control is the best or whatever. And I'll be like, Oh, okay. I had no idea. That, that scares me even more. Like I see, I see like the wall decks and I'm like, I don't have time for this shit. I don't, I don't want to participate in that ever. Yeah. One of the things I did play against was walls. And I was like, well, I guess that's like more exciting than what I'm doing, but eh. limited shelf life on that one. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, cool. The first time, but I don't want to see it a lot. Like they're playing some walls and doing their wall stuff. And I had four Talarian serpents and I was just doing that. I was like, all right, my, yeah. my one mana five, five is like bigger and more impressive than the crap that you're doing with all of your quote unquote synergy. Yeah. That that's when you really run into trouble with the format where you install these synergies. And the best thing you can do is just like play my dumb, dumb yep. with a removal spell and have a good time with your synergies. I'll figure it out at some point. At some point there'll be, an arena qualifier or something and I'll, I'll put my nose to the grindstone do some work but i am more so excited to get back to constructed things cool like i said let's let's check in on standard again i don't want to lose sight of it uh maybe we could look at modern and see if there's anything going on over there next time we do a show but uh, i i have a feeling we'll be splitting our attention for a little while as we see how broadly dominaria affects all the formats yeah modern modern real quick just didn't seem like it had many changes and yep. the, the changes were like you mentioned breach and then to some degree, like the Archon creativity decks. So I think that those are two things where I'm just like, you know, telling people to not play four color anymore, at least for the time being. Yep. Um, but that's it. That's all I got. Okay. Appreciate it. Appreciate the check-in game. Good luck.